And just we want an environment where the Holy Spirit can flow and the Holy Spirit can move. And then we're going to, we'll get into, we'll, we'll go with the Word of God as well, because I believe that the, God, the Word of God and the Spirit of God flow together. And it's important that we have both of them in our lives. But, you know, I'm also convinced that so many Christians these days just don't really know how to tap into the flow of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I, th I think I said this last time in the Coventry meeting, but, but th there's a lot that seems to have been lost concerning the move and the flow of the Holy Spirit in a lot of churches. And, and how I don't know about you, but I want it back. Amen. And some of you might say, well, I don't even, I don't even, you know, I, I don't know what you mean lost. You know, I, I love church. Well, hey, if there's a move and flow of the Holy Spirit in your church, that's great. But as I travel up and down this country, I'm, I'm just hearing more and more Christians just saying that there just seems to be, uh, it's not, it's not flowing. Things, there was a move of the Spirit 10 years ago. And, and, and like I said, there are some churches, it is happening. Praise God for that. But you know what? My heart is to see all of the churches flowing with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to just see one or two. This is what, this is one of the things we're doing with these meetings. I want to see every denomination, every group, every, 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 everywhere there's a believer, everywhere there's a member of the body of Christ stepping in and flowing and, and, and walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in their lives. And God's been amazing. He's been opening doors into different denominations as we do these meetings. And I just give, give God the praise and the glory for that. And uh, I don't know, we're, we're here in Coventry, but we, we want to see Coventry ablaze. And burning and on fire, not just one church, all of the churches, every environment, every place where there's a believer. We want the fire of God flowing. We want the word of God. We want the spirit of God manifesting. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's just lift up our hands and we're just going to worship. Just begin to worship him as you just stand there. There's no agenda right now. Just worship him. Hallelujah. Father God, we worship you. You are worthy, King Jesus. You are worthy. We're welcoming you in this place. You are worthy of all the glory and all the honor. Hallelujah, King Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah. You are worthy of all the glory, worthy of all the praise. Hallelujah. We just lift up our voices to honor you, King Jesus. We lift up our voices and give you the glory. You are welcome in this place. We want your spirit to move. We want your presence, Father God. We want more of you, Jesus. We want more of you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. Kira mashendele makasela makashendele bakaoro koda sestendele shende yesela makashendele makasendele mashendele kasestendele meshendele makaste. Sena shera se, kasena mana she. Just open your mouth, sing unto the Lord. We worship you, Jesus. You are worthy of all the glory, worthy of all the praise. 
semana se kanana sarase It's your glory, Lord. We hunger for the glory of God. Come on, I say. Yeah, shout a man, I say. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. You are worthy of all the glory, worthy of all the praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. You are worthy. Hallelujah. Lord, we welcome you in this place. You are worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. As we, as we, as we sing worship songs, if you, just don't, if you don't know the songs, don't look around. Just... Keep your eyes and attention on the Father. Hallelujah. Believers need to just get used to being in God's presence, not rushing, not just rushing from one song to the next, and we just focus on Him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Draw me close to you. Never let me go I lay it all down again To hear you say that I'm your friend You are my desire No one else will do Cause nothing else can take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace And help me find the way Bring me back to you. You're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you who are near. You're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you who are near. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus.
draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. You're my desire, King Jesus. No one else will do. Cause nothing else can take your place. To feel the warmth of your embrace. Now help me find the way. Bring me back to you. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. You're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. One more time, you're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. Help me know you are near. Help me know you are near. Oh, hallelujah, love. Oh, hallelujah, love. We worthy King Jesus, you're worthy. Kesesha masana, Kamana 
and that is sin and I said my shanana you are worthy king jesus you are worthy of all the glory hallelujah jesus you are worthy we worship you in this place. You are so worthy, King Jesus. We love you, Lord God. You are worthy of all the glory. You are worthy of all the praise, all the honor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, praise you, Jesus. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. And one more time. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are We worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus 
sing that again. Jesus, Jesus, holy and anointed one, Jesus. Your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jesus, I love you. Love you, Jesus, Jesus, holy, holy and anointed one. Jesus, your name is like honey on my lips, your spirit like water to my soul, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus. Jesus. Risen and exalted one. Risen and Exalted one, Jesus, your name is like honey on my lips, your spirit like water to my soul, your word is a lamp to my feet Jesus I love you I love you oh we love you Jesus 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 holy Holy and anointed one, Jesus. Sing that again. Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus. Holy and anointed one, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. You are exalted. You are mighty. You are the holy and anointed. We worship you in this place. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Just sing his name. Jesus. 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 Jesus, we worship you, Jesus. Jesus, you're the King of Kings, you're the Lord of Lords. Jesus, King Jesus, we worship you. Jesus. Jesus, one more time, Jesus, Jesus, holy and Anointed one, Jesus, oh, we worship you, you are so holy, Lord, we worship you. You are the Holy One, we worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. You are holy. Mm, you're my redeemer. You're my savior. You are the one. You are the one that saved me. Hallelujah. 
You're my redeemer, my savior. You are the one that set me free. We worship you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God has Oh, wonderful Jesus, wonderful Jesus, wonderful Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Hallelujah. You are so holy and awesome. We magnify you. We worship you. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Oh, we're hungry for you, Lord. We bow before you, King Jesus. You are worthy of all the glory. songs just lift up your hands we just want to worship you jesus we want to bow before you we honor you in this place you are worthy throne is holy lifting holy hands to you 
I pledge my life anew. I worship you in spirit. I worship you in truth. Make my life holy praise unto you. Make that your prayer today. On bended knee I come. With a humble heart I come. Bowing down before your holy throne. Unbend a knee, I come with a humble heart. I come bowing down. We bow before you, King Jesus, before your holy throne, lifting holy hands to you. Lifting holy hands to you, and I pledge my life anew. I worship you in spirits. I worship you in spirit. I worship you in truth. I worship you in make my life a holy praise. Make my life a holy praise. Make my life. Make my life a holy praise. Make my life. Make my life a holy praise. And again, make my life. Make my life a holy praise. Unto you. make my life a holy praise, make my life a praise, Lord. We worship you, oh, hallelujah, Jesus. worship you Jesus you are worthy of all glory mm. oh hallelujah when they're in God's presence around the throne room the angels cry out holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty he's worthy he's worthy you are holy. You are holy. You are holy, Lord. We honor you. Hallelujah. You are holy. Mm. He's coming back for a church, a glorious church that's been sanctified. Church that is washed, sanctified set apart holy
you, Jesus, we worship you. First verse as the deer. Nas the deer panted for the water, so my soul longs after thee. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship Thee. You alone. You alone are my strength, my shield. To You alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship Thee. You alone are my strength. You alone are my strength, my shield. To You alone. May my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship Thee. 
strength my shield to you alone may my spirit yield you alone are my heart's desire and i long to worship you Oh, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Mashika na nara, kiara si anara koro. Marasira mashi, marasia noro. You are so holy. You are so holy. You are so holy, Lord. We worship you. Marasira makara na kor, meshere makara si anana nano. Mera serenera serenere ner kerena. Let your glory fall. Let your glory fill the temple. Oh, Lord, your glory, Lord, oh, Lord, we worship you, oh, Lord, we worship you, kera shira makara nera kara noro, masira marashira ne kerera, Marasira, Marasira, ne, Marasara, no coro, Macaraki, Meshire, 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 Oh, hallelujah. We just want to spend time in your presence, Lord. Wonderful Jesus, wonderful Jesus, wonderful Jesus. It's fine if you need to sit down. I know he's... Hallelujah, Jesus, just focus on him. We're not here to entertain anybody. Christians just need to get used to just enjoying the presence of God again in their services. No entertainments, no glorifying man. Just hungry for you, Jesus.
So just hallelujah. Sing it again.
the healer. I'm saying that because it's on my heart to say. Hallelujah. You get in the presence of God and around the anointing and around the presence of God and His life and His power and His anointing can begin to do things inside your body. Hallelujah. And if you've got if you've got any sickness, if you've got any areas of your body you believe in God for healing, just I'm not going to lay hands upon people. Just put, just you might want to put your your hand on that part of your body. And just as we worship Him, just begin to thank Him, Lord, You're my healer. In fact, we're going to sing that instead of Hallelujah. We're going to sing You're my healer. <clears throat> just lift Him up as the healer of our bodies. And Father, I thank You that You healing begins to manifest in this place. 
Thank you for healing manifesting in bodies right now in Jesus' name. We receive healing. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, healer. You're the healer. You're the healer. You're the healer. You're the healer. You are the healer. It doesn't matter what it is. Might be a long-term condition, something you've had for years. Might be just a minor condition, but his power, he heals. He sets the sick free. He came to set people liberty and freedom. Hallelujah, Lord. We just lift you up. We lift you up. Thank you for healing taking place. Father, we thank you. Healing begins to manifest right now. We thank you for the, the gifts and the manifestations of healings, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. <clears throat> You're my healer. You're my healer. You're my healer. You're my just sing that. You're my healer. You're my healer. You're my healer. You're my say that maybe you know maybe the lord wants me sick maybe this is my cross maybe this is what you know and i've been told that that that's god wants me to carry this burden that's a lie i'm just getting it on the inside now and my maybe no one i don't it might be even on the video i don't really mind it's personal you don't have to admit to it but someone might be thinking you might have even been told someone might have told you that that condition in your body is God put it there and God wants it there and, 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 and you have to carry that as your cross. Well, I want to tell you that's a lie. That is a lie. Carrying your cross is not carrying a sickness. Jesus carried your sickness. And you can be free from that. You can be free from that condition. You can be free. In fact, you can be free right now. Right now. Right now. Just don't believe the lie. Just don't believe the lie. That lie can block. Can block your receiving. 
Hallelujah. Just say, Father God, I, I, I felt that maybe, I, maybe I've had to carry this. Maybe the Lord's wanted me sick. Maybe, maybe, God's, it's, maybe it's, I felt it's been God's purpose for me. Well, that, that's the enemy telling you that because he doesn't want you free. He doesn't want you free. But God, this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And he's here to set you free right now. That thing can go in a moment. It can just vaporize and be gone out of the body. There's nothing impossible for him. There's nothing impossible. There's nothing impossible. And someone says, well, maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe I've sinned and I'm just not worthy to receive. Maybe the Lord doesn't love me. Maybe, maybe, just, just, just stop, stop listening to those lies of the enemy. Jesus has forgiven you. He has forgiven you and made you worthy. It's his blood that makes you worthy. You can receive right now in your body. You can have a turnaround right now. Physical changes as power manifests in your body. And his healing power sets you free. Hallelujah. So don't, don't allow the enemy to bring condemnation. Don't allow the enemy to condemn you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It only might, I, don't, I don't even, I'm just speaking out what's in my heart, but it might, you know, there might only be one sick person here on, and might not apply to, 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 to lots of people. But you know what? Jesus said that the, the shepherd, it's, he showed the individual love of the shepherd. And he said, the shepherd leaves the 99 and go gets the one. Now, I'm not saying that in context of people being lost, but that shows me the shepherd has individual care for the sheep. And if he has to pause a whole service to heal one person, he can do that because he loves the individual. He loves you as an individual. He values you. He cares for you. You are his special treasure. You are his special treasure, and he loves you, and he cares for you so much as an individual. That's the, that, that is how powerful our shepherd is, and the individual love and care and attention that he gives the sheep. You're not just one among a, a big number. You are an individual with value and worth. When that man with the withered hand stood, it was, stood before Jesus, they were in the synagogue. And, and, and Jesus called that man up and he said, stretch forth your hand. Jesus said this because the, the Pharisees and the challenge, uh, Sadducees were challenging him. And Jesus said this, of how much more value is a man than a sheep? He said, you'd go and lift your sheep out of the pit on the Sabbath day. Don't tell me God can't heal someone on the Sabbath day. Because how much more value, value, value. Catch that. He values you. You are valuable to him. You are so valuable to him. You are so valuable as an individual that, yes, here's your answer. He does want to answer that prayer. He does want to move. He does want to touch your life because you are valuable as an individual. And the enemy wants to sit on your shoulder and say, no, 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 you've said, well, you see, that's, that's the whole purpose of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus makes you worthy. It makes you, makes you righteous before him. And, and it enables you and you can receive right now. So, Father, we thank you. We receive, we receive, we receive. You, you all thank you that you value and care for the individual. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, how, just how valuable are you to God? How valuable are you to God? 
Well, you can, how many of you, how many of you know, you can tell how valuable something is by how much you're willing to pay for it. Would anybody here pay me a thousand pounds for this piece of paper? Anybody? No, I'm not doing the offering. Don't worry. It's an illustration, okay? <laughs> Anyone here want to give me a thousand pounds for this piece of paper? Why not? It's not worth it. Yeah? You're right. It's just a piece of paper. You wouldn't pay a thousand pounds for that, would you? Would, would, would you know? Would, would, would you would you would you pay if someone said you know? I don't know. I don't even want to give loads of illustrations, but you see my point. You know, house prices they change depend upon how much people are willing to pay. When there's demand, people pay more, so the prices go. People are willing, they bid, and I'll give you, you know, three hundred thousand for your house. And the next person says, "Well, I'm going to outbid him. I'm going to give you three hundred and fifty thousand." And the price goes up, and they say, now the house is worth more. Why is it worth more? Because people are willing to pay more for it. Yeah? How much, we, how much was paid for you? What price was paid for you? What price was paid? Anyone know? Sorry? His life. His blood. The Bible calls the blood of Jesus precious. Precious. Now, could, was, there, was it possible to pay a higher price? Or let me ask you this. Is the blood of Jesus of low value? Now, in fact, throughout the Bible, the Bible talks about people who've despised and treat, treated as nothing the, the blood of Jesus. It's kind of a paraphrase. But, but his blood's precious. His blood's precious. That's the price he paid for you. So what does that tell you about you? If God said, I will pay the blood of my son for you, what does that tell you about your value to him? Anyone got it? Does it, is it? The enemy wants to tell you you're nothing to God. You're meaningless. You're just a, a cog in the wheel. You're just a, he just wants to use you, burn you up, spit all over you and walk all over you, but he's got no real, you know, no, 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 no. You are so valuable, he paid the blood of Jesus. Amen? So you can receive your healing right now. You can receive your healing right now. Hallelujah. Wow. I didn't even realize the time. People say, oh, man, we don't normally sing that song that long. Well, these meetings we sing as long as we have to. This, there's no agenda, and I'm going to do some teaching in a minute. But with these meetings, it's, it's about doing what we need to do. And, I, you know, right at the start, uh, I just had this on my heart, and it's just popped back now. Christians need to get used to being in the presence of God again. <laughs> and it's kind of sad, you would have to say, they, have to, they need to get used to being in the presence of God again. But a lot of Christians are not that used to just being in the presence of God. And just sitting and enjoying his presence and just worshiping him without a rush, without an agenda. And, 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 and uh, you know, we, we, we are the, we're the fast food generation. Everything's got to happen quickly. So it's like, okay, three songs. Come on. Oh, no, he's worshipped a bit longer than he should have done. Come on, get to the message. Get to the next bit. Well, you know, I understand on a Sunday service, you know, you've got things to do. But here we don't. 
and 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 believers need to get used to just enjoying the presence of God again. Is that all right with you? Hallelujah. Just give me a moment. I'm just going to put the guitar down and, and swap over and we'll do a bit of teaching as well. Hallelujah. Is that coming through? I think it is, yeah. Praise God. It's not my intention to do everything. It's just that, it's, you know, we want other people helping out with the worship as well. <laughs> God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you for your word. Father God, we want to hear from, from you. We want to receive from your word. We want to hear what your word has to say to us tonight, Lord, and, 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 and hear what, what it is that you want us to hear and what it is that your spirit wants to highlight in your word today. And I, I just want to yield to you and thank you that your grace is upon me as I teach. Father God, and I thank you that you help me to teach and help me to, 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 to say what you need said and what you desire to be said today. Praise you, Jesus. We magnify you and we worship you. And we come before your word hungry, but we also honor your word. We value your word. We value and treasure the word of God. And we receive it. We receive the word tonight like treasure, uh, like treasure hidden in a field that we just want to, we, we're so hungry, we want to pay the price and say, yeah, I want that, I want that, I'm hungry for that. And we want to hear what your spirit has to say to us uh, today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, uh, how many of you know, and I think I might have referred to this in some of the previous ones we've done on previous months, but I know there's a number of new people here. Welcome. It's good to have you with us if this is your first time here. In fact, because there's a few new people, let's, let's look at the scripture. Matthew, Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to just, I'll just take a moment to say a few things out of this. It's not the main thing I want to teach on right now. But, um, but just want to, if any of you haven't heard me teach on this passage before, I just want to bring you up to speed. Matthew 25 verse 1. Now this is, this is the parable that Jesus told about the, the, te the ten virgins. Anyone ever heard this parable? Five foolish and five wise. Now, how many of you understand this? When Jesus spoke on this earth, uh, Jesus did not just talk about things that were, you know, pre about that day that he was living in. And he did not just talk about things that were five or ten years down the road. Did Jesus talk about things that were to come further down the road? But how far, how much further down the road? Did Jesus talk about things that were going to happen maybe just you know, the, the next year. Well, some things he talked about himself going to the cross, but is that all he spoke about? Did he only talk about things that were just a few years down the road? Now, if you look through the parables of Jesus, Jesus spoke all the way up until the end of the age. And he, he gave some insight and, and he gave some understanding about some things. How many, of you, how many of you believe Jesus knew what he was talking about? 
Jesus understood some things. You know, these might be obvious questions, but it's worth pausing and thinking about them just to, just to reaffirm them to ourselves. Did Jesus get it right? Did he know what he was talking about? Or was Jesus confused? Or was he just, you know, someone just talking, uh, you know, random, random junk that never's going to come to pass? No, no, I have more respect for the word of God than that, especially for the word of Jesus. When Jesus, Jesus, Jesus understood what was coming and he spoke some things out and he, he revealed to us some things in the parables concerning the plan of God way down all to the end of the age. How many of you understand there, there is an end of the age that's coming? Bible's shown us all along. There's, there's, there's some other things we're going to be getting to. This, this down here is not, not all there is to it. This, not, this is not, this, 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 there's some much better things. The Bible talks about how there's some things that God has not even revealed yet that we're going to have in eternity. It's, it's so amazing. God hasn't even shown us some of the things yet. You realize that? He's given us a glimpse. But, but there, there's some things to come. Now, again, I've said this a lot recently. I'm gonna, uh, it bears repetition. That we're, we, we need to realize we are much closer to some things than, we, than many Christians realize. I think more, more and more Christians are beginning to get an awareness of some things. But you realize time is not going to just always keep going the way it is. There's going to come a generation. There's going to come a time. There's going to come at some point. I'm not putting dates on. I'm not going to say tell you what time and date it is. But at some point in, in the future, whether it's three days or whether it's 10 years, whether it's 50 years, at some point in the future, there are going to be some major changes when things that Jesus spoke about come to pass. And there's going to be a point that God wraps this age up. But you see, to many Christians, it's not real to them how close we are to that. And the urgency attached to that truth. You know, how many of you know the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah? So it will be in the days, well, based of the coming of the Son of Man. And people think as it was in the days of Noah in the sense of all the sin and all the things going on. I think there's a little bit more to it. As you read the passage, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, he talks about people were eating and drinking and doing this stuff. What is he basically saying? One of the things he's saying is people were just getting on with their daily lives, clueless about what was about to happen. Yes, they might have been living wrong and all kinds of things, but they were just getting on. To, to them, tomorrow is going to happen. The next day is going to happen. They, they, they had no realization that everything was about to change. And then what happened? The flood came, and everything did change. And, and, and it was only Noah who listened to God. And he... he, he but you know what? When, 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 did, did Noah, did Noah only hear God on the day of the flood? Was it on the day of the flood when it started raining that the Lord said to Noah, make an ark? <laughs> no, that would not have worked, would it? You know, I, you really need to hear what I'm about to say here. The day it started raining was too late to start making an ark. 
Now, this truth needs to become real to some Christians. Because this is relevant to our day. Noah, one of the reasons I believe Jesus referred to Noah is because Noah, that period of time, marked a significant change that happened on the planet. Do you realize that? Massive flood. It wasn't just a little flood in one village. That was a global transformation that took place. And there's not, there's not many places in Scripture even where you have a, that level of global transformation. And Jesus referred it back to us, referred us back to it as a point of reference connected to the coming of the Son of Man. Why? Because the coming of the Son of Man, the, coming, the, the Lord's coming is going to be a globally changing event. You think some virus changed the planet? Wait until you see what's coming. And I'm not talking negative stuff. I'm talking about the coming of the Lord. There's some things on the horizon. There's some things coming. There are things just moments, steps away from them. We are literally steps away from some things. I didn't used to preach like this. I, I did not have the boldness to say to people, we're that close. I'd say, oh yeah, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And, and something, something switched on the inside of me to, 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 to really start stirring people up about the realization of the urgency of the hour and, 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 what, and some things that need to take place. But you see, in Noah's day, people were just unaware. Yes, they, yes it, Jesus referenced to as it was in the days of Noah. Yes, that applies to the fact that they were living wrong, but it also applies to the fact that they were clueless and as far as they knew, life's just going on. They had no realization everything was about to change. Well, I want to tell you, it's one, I mean, the world doesn't realize what's coming. They, you know, and some of them maybe are panicking about other things. But in terms of the, 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 how God's, God, there's going to come a point God's going to wrap time up. There's going to come a time the Bible talks about the day, you know, the dead in Christ will rise. I, 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 let me take a side journey. We'll come back to the days of Noah in a moment. But, you know, I, 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 love, I love that passage which talks about the dead and grass will rise. And again, that passage has become even more real to me recently in the, in the last year or so, more real than ever. But, but, but can you imagine? The Bible talks about how the dead in Christ will rise and what else are going to happen? Those of us who are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the air I don't want to go into the doctrine of, you know, what, what event that is. People, you know, they've got all their eschatology and their... But just, 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 just imagine the, the amazing event right now. Whether you're dead or whether you're still alive, see, death's not the end for a Christian. You know, yes, we miss them. Yes, we mourn. It's sad in one sense. But you know what the Bible says? Paul said this. He says, for me to live as Christ to die is... He didn't call death a loss. Oh, we lost them. You didn't lose anybody. They, they just gained something. Okay? We, we, we're so focused on the loss. But actually, they, they gained. Rejoice for them. Praise God. It's not, a, it's not a bad thing. But anyway, but there's coming a day. Whether, whether people are dead in Christ or whether we're alive. Do you know that there, is, there are going to be some Christians alive on the planet when this event happens? Because otherwise he wouldn't have said, those of us who are alive and remain. 
at some point in human history, this event is going to happen. Like I said, I don't believe we're that far away. I believe we're just steps away from some things. I believe we're very close. God's not just going to keep this, this rolling forever. It's never been the plan. It's always had a time limit. But you see, we get lulled into a false sense of security. Oh, nothing's ever going to change. Oh, my, you know, and it's always going to be the, the, the way it is. See, that's what it was like in the days of Noah. People just lulled into a sense of security that, that life's just going to go on. There's going to come a time, and God has always ordained it when he's going to wrap up what's going on down here. And, and like I said, exactly how you fit it together with end times, I'm not that fussed with right now, but, but, but catch the heart of this. The dead in Christ will rise. How many of them? All of them from the last 20 years? All of them from the last 100 years? We're talking a few thousand years, aren't you? Of the dead in Christ. I mean, you know, whether we want to debate whether it includes people before Christ or just from Christ onwards, because, you know, that's another debate. But at least a couple of thousand years. Worth of believers. How many believers is that? <laughs> How many Christians have died since, 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 since Jesus died on the cross? How many Christians have been on to be with the Lord? I, I have no idea. I don't know the count. It's quite a lot, yeah? The dead in Christ are going to rise. And then what's going to happen? Those of us who are alive and remain. Well, how many of us, how, just, you know, just imagine right now, how many Christians are there on the planet? A million? More than a million? Are you talk, yeah, a lot, yeah? A lot of believers. So you're talking about all the dead in Christ and, and, and all those who are alive. And, 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 and the Bible says what's going to happen. The dead in Christ will rise. Those of us who are alive and remain will, will rise. And it talks about we will be changed. Our body will put on immortality. This is real. You know that? The Bible's not a fiction story. God's shown us some things to come. And, and uh, it's, it, 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 uh, this mortal must put on immortality. Our body will be changed. How many of you know when Jesus was raised from the dead, he had a glorified body? His glorified body wasn't too bad. He managed to walk through a wall. Remember the, the disciples, they had all the doors closed, and Jesus was just there in the midst of them. It's not a bad thing, you know? And that glorified body doesn't have all the aches and pains that the natural one gets, or aging, or anything. It's immortal. And the Bible says this, uh, I, uh, we will be changed. Changed. <laughs> you might want to take a photograph of yourself now because, you know, it's going to change at some point. You're, in eternity, you'll look, ah, that was me when I was like 70 years old. Look at me now, man. I'm regenerated. <laughs> anyway, that's just a side thought. But um, <clears throat> then the Bible says this. How, this, this immense miracle of all the dead in Christ, hundreds of thousands, millions of believers from Christ up until now, raised from the dead. Some of them, their bodies are, deteri- are, 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 you know, are, are um, decomposed in the ground, haven't they? It's like that after you've been in the ground for, for a thousand years. And, and, and then all of us who are alive, are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up with them. Our bodies are going to be transformed. That's a, would you call that a pretty impressive miracle? Planet-wide, this is global, right around the planet, a miracle like that is going to matter. How, how long is it going to take for that miracle to happen? The Bible says in the, in the twinkling of an eye. 
Just, just imagine. Does that just give you a little glimpse of how powerful God is? And you think he has a difficulty healing your cancer? <laughs> we, we, have, we haven't even remotely comprehended how big and how powerful he actually is. In the blink of an eye, planet-wide, everywhere, every village, every town, every city, anywhere there's ever been a Christian, and there currently is a Christian, in the blink of an eye, all of them receive a glorified body, raised from the dead. Those of them whose bodies are decomposed and have just become bone, flesh just, just pulls onto their bodies. They become the glorified body right there. In the blink, it happened right there. That's a manifestation of power and glory. It's going to happen. It's coming. It's going to happen. Anyway, that was just, it was just a side journey. Just to, to, some of you might probably heard me describe that before, but just capture that. Capture the immenseness of what's coming. Do you realize there's coming a point in history where these things are going to happen? But, but what did Jesus say? As it was in the days of Noah. Let's get back to where I was a moment ago. As it was in the days of Noah, well, how, how were people on the planet at that time? Were they expecting the whole world to just change like, to that degree? I mean, like I said, you, 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 how many people were caught off guard by just suddenly the world changing overnight two years ago when they, you know, this virus thing? And they thought, they thought that was a big event. <laughs> we know in our heart there's something much, much bigger coming. A global planet-changing event. It's going to change time. It's going to change everything. But as it was in the days of Noah, what was happening? They were just plodding along clueless. Getting on with life, thinking, you know, whatever, oh yeah, and tomorrow this and tomorrow that, and I'm going to do this, and these are my plans, and this is what i got to do. And, and there was one man, one man on the earth at, the, at that time, who was hearing God. Aren't you glad there's more than one at the moment that hear from God on the earth? My word, things have changed in a good way, in that sense. But you know what, not, not all Christians are actually hearing God. There are a lot of Christians that are, are in that place of being lulled into that sense of security where life's just going to go, oh, I know Jesus is coming, but you know, you're not going to come back for another 50, 100 years. Oh, you're not coming back for ages, and you're not coming back in my lifetime. I've heard Christians say that. They really don't, they don't, they don't, they, they don't have a sense of the time. But Noah heard from God. But here's the question. Let's go back to what I was on a moment ago because I took a few side journeys. When did Noah hear from God? Was it the day it started raining? What, what, if, what if Noah had only heard on that day <laughs> to, to get an ark ready? Well, you know, he would have been wiped out with it all. He had to hear God before the event. Now, this is what's relevant to you. God's looking for people who are going to hear him and what he's saying. You know what? Over and over again in the New Testament, you'll see these phrases. It talked about the father said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Listen to him. Hebrews 1 talks about how God in time past spoke to us by the prophets in the old covenant. It says, has in these last days spoken to us through his son. He wants us to hear. He wants us to listen. Doesn't the Bible say over and over again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. There's a lot of Christians that are only going to get stirred up and passionate 
when things actually happen. You know what God's looking for? The knowers who hear him before things happen and they get themselves in position. That's where we are right now. There's some things the Spirit of God is speaking. He's looking for the ones that are going to hear, are going to catch a hold of the urgency of the hour and begin to realize, I've got to get myself in position. I need to be hearing God. Now, is this whole idea of being ready, is that just unique to Noah? Did, was it only Noah who had to be ready for the flood? No, he had to, when that rain started, he had to be ready. Yeah? That meant in the lead up to the flood, before there was any rain, before there was any flood, he had to be preparing some things. Why do you think God put that in the Bible, and why do you think Jesus referred to it in connection to the return of Jesus? Because it's relevant. It means there need to be some Noahs. I don't mean run down the hardware store and go build a boat. <laughs> but there need to be some people who are hearing what God is saying. Not just one or two Christians, not just a few ministers, every one of you. And starting to get ready and starting to act and starting to respond. Because if we allow ourselves to be in this place where we just say, oh, it's all just going to continue on like normal. Oh, nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's ever going to change. We're going to get caught off by God by some things because you ain't going to be ready when you get there. There's some things God wants to do, but he wants the ones that are ready. And I think I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. You know, don't, don't sit there and think, oh, you know, I, you know, I'm a bit older now. We'll leave this for the younger generation. I went to Bible school with a lady. I think, I, I'm not sure if I told this story here. I told it somewhere recently. I went to Bible school with a lady who was in her late 70s when she went to Bible school. Late 70s. And at Bible school, God dealt with her to get fit. She started doing running around the track. <laughs> and, and, and she didn't know what God had for her after Bible school. God had just told her, go to Bible school. And then God said, get yourself fit. So she started getting herself fit. Late 70s. <laughs> well, after Bible school, God, God put her on her heart to go to Vietnam as a missionary. And she walked from village to village to village, distributing tracts and preaching the gospel as a missionary. Now you know why she needed to be fit. And then she went to the Philippines, and she did the same thing there. And, and I don't know if she went anywhere else. She's gone to be home with the... Be the she, she's gained now. <laughs> she, she's gained. She's, back, she's gone to be with the Lord. This is many years ago. But you know, Moses was only eight, was 80 when he took over leadership. So it's not about age. It's about the ones that hear and listen and capture a vision and capture what God is saying and what God is wanting to do in this time and start to prepare and get ready in advance before some things happen. See, God is speaking out that there are some things going to happen. He's been speaking out for a while now and more and more people are saying there's some things that are going to happen in the body of Christ He's getting the body of Christ ready for, for a revival and a move of God and an incredible manifestation of the Spirit of God. And I speak that, you know, I've heard other people say it, but I speak that out because it's what I get in my heart. 
fact, I was saying it before I knew anyone else was. And then people were like, oh, you know, other people are saying that. I'm like, really? Well, that's nice. At least I'm not the only one. <laughs> but, but again, I didn't used to teach like that. I didn't used to talk like that. But something, but, but something stirred on the inside of me. And God began to, be, I began to get aware of the fact that we are entering a season as the body of Christ where God is wanting to prepare and shape and get some things ready to, for the outpouring. But many Christians are just sitting waiting for the outpouring. God's looking for the knowers who get ready before the outpouring. Get themselves in position so that when these things happen, they are ready for them. Now, with that foundation, go to Matthew 25, where we were going to go ages ago. Does the idea of being ready have anything to do with this parable? Anyone know the parable, the ten virgins? Five, five, five foolish and five wise. Now, remember, the five foolish were not ready. There it is, right there. And it, is this parable relevant to the arrival of the bridegroom? See, everything I've just preached to you for the last, I don't even know how long, Last 20, 20 minutes, 10, 5, I lose track of time while I'm preaching. A few minutes. It wasn't just me off on some random rabbit trail. It's because it's relevant. Even in this parable, Jesus shows the importance of readiness. Now, in this parable, does, any, does everyone here know the parable? We, we, we can read it in a minute if people don't. It's all right. Not everyone knows it. Don't feel condemned if you don't know it. We'll read it. But basically, let me give you a summary. Jesus tells a parable about 10, 10 virgins. They were getting ready for a, a wedding for the bridegroom. And, and, and they got all excited. And, and they got their, they got their all, they, you know, they grabbed their, sorry, their lamps and everything like this. And they ran to go meet the bridegroom. And then the, in verse 4, I think it is, it says that there was a delay. The bridegroom was delayed. So it took them longer to get there than they expected. Okay. But anyway, I'll come to that bit in a moment. Anyway, after, after a while, a cry went out and said, the bridegroom's coming. What happened before the bridegroom came? I've just said it. Do I need to read? Should we read this? Let's, let, let's read this because not everyone knows the, the, the verses. Um, let's look at, we'll start in verse 5 because I've summarized verse 1, 2, and 3 already. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Anyone ever heard of an awakening? Do you know that God is wanting to wake Christians up right now? What is an awakening? It's a time of waking up. And why? Why would there need to be an awakening? Because we've gone to sleep. In Proverbs, it talks about a lazy man. Laziness casts you into a slumber. There's all kinds of reasons we went to sleep and some things. There are areas where we've put the ball down as the body of Christ. There are areas where we're not functioning in some positions. There are areas in people's Christians' own personal lives where we, we, you know, we might still be going through the motions, going to church, but spiritually they've gotten, gone to sleep in some areas. <laughs> okay? But notice what happens. Verse five, verse 5, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. How many of them slept? Was it only the five foolish ones that slept? No, it was all of them. They all slept. At, verse 6, at midnight, what happened? A shout, or Marvin says a cry. What, what is a shout or a cry? 
It's something that comes out of a mouth, isn't it? Shout. The chair doesn't shout, does it? Shout. A person shouts. So in other words, something was said. Now, did this happen when the bridegroom came or before the bridegroom came? The bridegroom hasn't arrived yet. They're all asleep. And a shout goes out. And what does it say? Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. That's actually where I'm trying to get in a moment. They trimmed their lamps. But anyway. Trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, uh, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough uh, for us and for you, but go, go rather and those who sell and buy for yourselves. Basically, they were not ready. And verse 10 says, those who were ready went in. Now notice this. The, the, the shout has said the bridegroom is coming. In other words, the event is about to happen. By that time, you're either ready or not. No time to run and get ready. It's like same with the same thing with Noah. Once it started raining, you're either ready or not. There are going to be a lot of people running around trying to get ready when the event's happening. Why? Why are they running around trying to get ready when the event is happening? Because they didn't get ready beforehand. Why? Because they didn't hear the cry. Notice they had to hear something. There was something they heard before the bridegroom came. That cry. What was I talking about a moment ago? Hearing. Noah had to hear from God and respond to what God was saying before the event. Same, you see, do you see the same thing in this parable? They, they were asleep and something was spoken. God began to say some things. See, the, the Word of God, there's a lot more unity in the Word of God than people realize. And this is all connected to similar events. Jesus referred to Noah in connection to the return of the Lord. This year is connected to the, the bridegroom arriving. And in both instances, you see a situation where people had to hear, respond, do something about what they heard, before the event happened. Many Christians are waiting for the event to happen before they do anything. God's looking for the ones who hear before anything and begin to do something with what they are hearing. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Some Christians, oh, you know, when the Holy Spirit moves, I'll get my spiritual life sorted out. No, 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 no. Get your spiritual life sorted out now. Because you're hearing that God has said it's time to wake up. A lot of, pe a lot of people are looking for God to do it all. Out of the, uh, who had to build the ark? Did God just manifest an ark for him? Could God have manifested an ark for him? Yeah, he most certainly could. I mean, God can turn water into wine. That's a chemical change, by the way. H2O into wine means new chemical elements would have to be created for water to go into wine. Creative miracle taking place on an, an atomic level. God turned Moses', Moses rod, wood, into a living being. There would have had to be chemical changes for that as well. 
new material, carbon, I don't know, whatever, maybe there's carbon in wood, I don't know, whatever. But what, it's going to have to be some changes. And then he turned it back into wood again. <laughs> so good, could God just have manifested an ark for Noah? Did God do it that way, though? How did God do it? God gave him some instructions he had to carry out. When? When at the time of the flood or before the time of the flood? In advance, before anything happened, he had to be hearing and doing. This is what God's looking for right now. Why? Because God wants people who are ready at the time he wants to start doing some things. Is it God's job to get us ready? No, Noah had to get the boat ready. In this parable, who had to make sure they were ready? Does it say the bridegroom came and got them ready and got all their oil and got and did everything for them? They had to do some things. There's a lot of Christians that think God's just going to do it all. No, there are some things he speaks and he says, you do it now. Begin to stir some things up in your life. Begin to get yourself in position in some areas. Begin to stir up your spiritual life. Wait, awaken. And as you do, but see, you can get lulled into a sense of security. Oh, yeah, we've got another five years for it. Again, I didn't intend to say any of this tonight. This was not even on my mind. But, 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 but you know, we go, in these meetings, we go with what we go with. And even if it's repetition of things I might have said before in some areas, we just go with it. Okay? But the closer you get to an event, the more important it is that you're ready for the event. And the less time you have to get ready for the event. Anyone here ever planned events like weddings and stuff? You've kind of all catering or any kind of any big events. Anyone planned events? Let's say the event is a year, a year away. You start doing a few things, you know, you kind of you order a few things, plan a few things, but there's no rush in a sense. What about when the event's a month away? <laughs> what about when it's the last week before the event and it's a big, you know, a thousand people at the wedding? Do you have to make sure some things are ready in advance? And do you have much time to get it ready? In that final week, you suddenly find all the things you forgot to do. <laughs> You're going to run around like, because there's no, you can't just push the wedding date back and say, oh, we're going to put it back three weeks. No, everyone, all the invi invites are sent out. Everyone's coming. You've got one week to get ready now. And then you begin to think, I should have done more six months ago. Because <laughs> six months ago, I had the time. Now I've just got a week. See, the closer you get to, to an event happening, the more important it, it is that you are ready and the less time you have to get ready. One of the enemy's, one of the enemy's biggest tactics with Christians is delay and distract. God says, spend some more time with, you, with me. Oh, yeah, Lord, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow comes and like, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Oh, oh well, I'll, I'll do it on the weekend. The weekend now, something happens and, and you think, oh, I didn't get to it. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll start it on Monday. Monday comes, everything goes wrong. You put it off. By the, by, by the time you reach Friday, now two weeks have gone past. And you keep thinking, but oh, yeah, the Lord's telling me to spend more time with him. Oh, but this, this, and this, and this, and this, and happened. All important things. 
But who are you going to be, Mary or Martha? What was Mary doing? What was Martha doing? She was faffing with things. Were they, were they non-important things? Now, actually, she had a guest in her home. It's kind of an important thing, get the food ready. You want to be a good hostess? So it's not that she was doing invalid things. She wasn't just sitting, you know, out, I was going to say watching TV, but, you know, their equivalent, watching the sunset. She was doing something. She just wasn't doing the one thing that really mattered. Many Christians, the enemy uses delay and distract. Before you know it, six months has gone past and you haven't really spent any more time on the Lord. And then you know a year's gone past. What if the enemy could just keep getting people to delay and distract and put things off? You never really, you don't get ready. You have to reach a point in your own life where you say, today. In fact, Hebrews said, today is the day of salvation. Now. God, you want me to spend more time? We're doing it. Get on and do it. You want me to come stronger? You want me to waken? You want me to stir up my spiritual life? You want me to hear what you're saying? We're going to do it now. We're getting on. We're doing it. We're putting it into practice. And we're going to be diligent, disciplined, consistent with it on a daily basis. And we're going to get stronger in the Lord. And Take our spiritual life up to a new level in God. Anyway, I said all of that. That's my introduction. You guys got another hour or two, yeah? <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I do, I, I do try to be good with the finishing time. So we'll have to do the main message in about 10 minutes because I did the introduction in about 40 minutes. But we can do it. How many believe we can do it? We can get out what we need to get out. Now, look back at this parable, Matthew 25, um, verse 6. Let's read verse 6 and 7 again. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Has the bridegroom come yet? What, what happened before the bridegroom coming? The cry happened, the call. They had to hear it. Now, what did that call do to them? That call woke them up. Was there a big manifestation that woke them up? No, or said woke them up. Remember, Jesus said this. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Jesus is giving us some insight into his return and the coming of the Lord. And there's more in here than we realize. There's a cry of the Spirit of God going out right now on the earth, basically saying it's time to wake up, people. It's happening, it's happening. That why, why is God saying it? And he's saying it with urgency. He's looking for the ones to wake up. Why is he doing that? Because it's time to wake up. Don't you, but a lot of Christians are just leaning over and hitting the snooze button. Oh, we'll have another half hour. And the enemy sits on your shoulder and says, yeah, put it off for a week. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. Anyway, so the cry goes out, behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Verse 7, then all those virgins arose. That basically, the word arose there means woke up, the original Greek word there. They woke up. What else did they do besides waking up? Trimmed their lamps. Trimmed their lamps. What's that got to do with? People focus on the oil. 
It's good. People say it's the Holy Spirit. That's good. You know, whatever your interpretation of how you want to do it. What's the trimming of the lamps all about? Sorry? Okay. Now, what they, you're right there from a practical level. What they did, trimming the lamps basically meant in those days, because they had lamps that would burn a wick, yeah? Burn the oil is a flame, wasn't like light bulbs like this. And the longer those lamps burned, what would happen, especially if you were not taking care of it, is charcoal and soot would gather on the tip of the, of the um, kind of the string part, yeah? The wick, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you very much. And, 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 and because it got a bit charcoaled over, the flame, even, even if there was oil in, the flame would begin to dim and it wouldn't burn as bright. And it would also, the, the, the smoke coming up from the flame would start to become sooty and dark. So the, the lamp would become dim. So trimming the lamp, they had to cut that burnt bit off. So it had a freshly ready to burn again. Didn't matter if you had oil in, if your lamp wasn't trimmed, you, you could have a full oil tank and, and no great flame. So what, it'd still be burning, but it would be, but would, I, don't mind, I don't mind audience participation. As long as it's not too much when people just have a whole conversation the whole way through. But I love, I love feedback. Okay? But the trimming of the lamp, there's two things going on here. They had to wake up, they had to trim their lamps, and, and it was then that some of them discovered they didn't have oil. What's the trimming of the lamps all about? Well, I'm going to give you just a little bit of insight. Now, you see, people think, oh, it's all about having the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, that's the oil part of it. What's the trimming of the lamps? What is the lamp? A lamp gives light. Well, Proverbs 20, verse 27 says something quite interesting. Proverbs 20, verse 27. And you remember it's written in Hebrew, the New Testament was in Greek, so the wording in different translations might be different, but I'll read it out of mine because I can't read it out of yours, because I can't see yours, so I'll read it out of mine. <laughs> but Proverbs 20, 27 says this, the spirit of man. What does yours say? Okay, but you see the lamp. The lamp. Okay? Anyone, anyone got any? Okay? This is, this is how mine says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. The spirit of man is the lamp. What did the virgin, what did, those, what did they have to do when they woke up? They had to trim their lamp. What, what did that mean? Get your lamp in condition. Now if you, do, you, do you realize we're not just natural beings? You've got a spirit on the inside of you. You're a spirit being. Does anyone understand that? You, you can be carnally minded or you can be spiritually minded. Okay? You can be more focused on the things of the spirit or natural things. Okay, there's all kind, I don't want to go into all of that. It would take hours of teaching just to teach you all of that. But, you know, but we are more than just natural beings. God is a spirit and we are also spirit beings. When you receive Jesus, you become a new creation. Your spirit is born again on the inside. But you see... You need to also attend to the condition of your spirit. Many Christians have allowed their, spirit, their spiritual, their, 
the spiritual condition to decline. The spirits on the inside have not been fed properly. Peter, uh, Peter said this, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And he, he likens the word to milk which will feed your spirit. Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The word of God feeds you, but does it just feed your body? How many of you understand your body, your natural body has to feed in order to survive? I mean, if you don't believe me, look, I'm not recommending this, so don't take it and then sue me afterwards, okay? But try not feeding your body for six months. Please don't. <laughs> okay? Your body has to be fed, but your body feeds on peas and carrots and chicken and, you know, for some people, chocolate and candy floss. You're, in order to stay in a healthy condition, your body has to be fed. What about your mind? Does your mind need to be fed? Well, you know, if people just sit and watch TV all day and, 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 and never do anything else, and just, or, or just play video games all day, I mean, it's all right. I'm not, I'm not a game. You want to watch a bit of video games. But literally, if you just do nothing with your mind, how does the mind develop? Do you know that you, 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 your mind, it, it soaks in, it feeds on information and knowledge. And you feed your mind, you read books, you feed it, you, you strengthen, you, you, it's like you, you grow mentally and intellectually, don't you? What about your spirit? Is your spirit any different? Or do we just neglect the spirit and feed the mind and the body? That's what a lot of Christians do. Your spirit is fed on the word of God. Man shall not live by, by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Peter talked about, uh, well, he talked about a few things. Peter talked about, uh, basically, don't, don't let your beauty come from just your outward looks, but the inward man of the heart. Make sure that one's in good condition. There's a lot of talk in the New Testament about it, making sure your spirit is in good condition. What's happened is many Christians have neglected the condition of their spirit. And that's why the light's not burning as brightly from them. That's why the anointing of God doesn't flow through them. When they lay hands on the sick, nothing happens. There's no flow through them. It's not, it's not because of the oil, because the lamp is not trimmed. The lamp's not being kept in condi good condition. And your spirit is the lamp. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? Who had to trim the lamp? They did. It's not something God did for them. Well, as that call goes out, as the Spirit of God has beginning to say the urgency of the hour and the things that are happening on this earth and the things that are about to happen, the things that are on the horizon and the things that are coming and the things that we're about to step into, God is showing us in, his, in our heart, even on a, an amazing scale, revival and the move of the Holy Spirit. Why does God say these things in advance? Why doesn't he just arrive and do them? God speaks things out in advance Sometimes, you know, I mean, if it's like 300 years ago, very often he's speaking out prophetically, but if he's saying it now, and it's kind of re relevant to literally we're about to happen, he's speaking it out because he's wanting us to get ready for it. And a big part of the preparation 
is getting his spirit in condition. Getting his spirit strengthened up. Feeding on the word of God. Getting your, your personal walk with God and beginning to feed on the word like you've never fed on the word before. Another part of it is praying in tongues. Something that God's been stirring a group of us up about. Spending daily time, consistent daily time praying in tongues. You know, the enemy has tried to convince the church that tongues is a bad thing. Large portions of the church have shut down speaking in tongues. There's so much confusion, so many arguments in the church about speaking in tongues that a lot of churches have just backed off it out of fear. Who do you think wants to, to shut down speaking in tongues? I've even heard Christians say, oh, that tongue stuff is not that important. Well, if it was not important, why did God add it in in the better covenant? How many of you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gifts of healings, working of miracles, discerning of spirits, prophecy, is that seven? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, prophecy, gift, gift of special faith, that's the one I didn't say, I thought there was one missing, but those seven, how many of you know there's none manifestations of the Spirit or gifts of the Spirit? Those seven they had in the Old Testament. The only two they did not have was tongues and interpretation. Now, if tongues was not important, why did God add it in? Because that's the one you had to have a born-again spirit in order to use. And they didn't have that in the Old Testament. But if the seven were enough, why did God add those two in? Don't tell me they're not important. We're in a be the Bible says we have a better covenant established upon better promises. Hebrews compares the ministry of Jesus to the ministry of Moses to the ministry of angels. And basically, Hebrews says he, he, everything about Jesus is better. He has a more excellent name. He, he's more excellent and, and has a higher position than the angels. His ministry is more, is more amazing than the ministry of Moses. Everything about the new covenant, the Bible presents as better. And then God decides to add in two inferior things, tongues and interpretation, into a covenant where everything else is superior and better. Don't give me that garbage. No, it's important. The enemy's tried to confuse people in this area, tried everything he can to get Christians either not talking in tongues or to shut it down in their churches. I'll tell you why the enemy has, because he's afraid of it. He is afraid of what it will do to your spirit. The Bible says you build yourself up, you edify, you charge your... Which part of you gets edified and charged when you pray in tongues? Not just your mind, not your body, it's your spirit. It starts to bring development to your spirit. You spend time feeding on the Word of God, praying in tongues, add into that a lifestyle of prayer and worship, and you will grow spiritually in an incredible way. Trimming your lamps. This has, got to, this has got to happen. God is wanting this to happen. And, and I'll close off on this. See? Many, one, of, one of the big reasons many churches are not seeing much manifestation. Last time I talked about the flow and the move of the Holy Spirit. One of the big reasons many churches are not seeing much manifestation of the miraculous or healings and there's not much flow of the Holy Spirit is exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Many people have not, their spiritual condition has deteriorated. Sometimes even the ministers, they're not fed on the word. They're not praying in tongues. They've become intellectual with no, with no real connection half the time and hearing from God. 
Sermons have become intellectual. People are being fed intellectual stuff in, in, in some environments, not much word. The people coming to the church, apart from the Sunday service, spend no time reading their Bible and no time praying in tongues. People say, are you condemning? No, as a teacher, I'm correcting, but it sometimes might sound a bit like condemnation because it's challenging the heart. <laughs> I mean, even though a teacher needs to bring rebuke and, and correction, it's not just personal, yeah, it's to everybody, in the video, everybody. People have allowed this, their, their personal spiritual lives to deteriorate the condition. And what happens is we come into church, everybody's dry spiritually. Half the time, including the worship team and the pastor. I'm not saying of this church, I'm just saying in general, yeah? It's not a personal thing, I'm just talking generally now. So I'm not pointing any fingers at any individual. But what happens is you come into that kind of environment, do you think there's going to be much flow of the Spirit of God? They spend the whole Sunday service just trying to get in the anointing. And just as the time that they're all getting filled with God, they go, oh, it's time to close the service, bye! And then they spend the rest of the week all drying up. Until next Sunday where they go, oh, pull us back up again, all dry, dry up for seven enemy's got us in this pendulum dry up for seven days woo get strong spiritually you know get 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 can i give you one illustration before i close and then we'll close water This is one of the reasons why there's not much manifestation of the Holy Spirit in a lot of churches. This. <laughs> no, the illustration I'm going to give. This, is a, this bottle is full. Okay, for the camera, it's full to the top. Now, I, could, I don't have an empty bottle with me. Okay? But let's say you all had a bottle, but all of yours was empty because you've just spent the, the last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday having no time in the Word, no time with God, no time praying, and so you've all dry spiritually, <laughs> okay? Just for illustration purposes, I'm not saying this is how it is, but you've got dried up spiritually. So you come to church, all of you arrive, your bottle's empty. So all the, and they, they, everybody fills in with empty bottles. Here comes the pastor who has spent some time praying with God. He spent the week getting himself filled with God. So he comes in with his bottle full and maybe hopefully the worship team as well. So they spend the whole service pouring out their bottle into everybody else's. So they're emptying out their bottle, trying to fill yours up. Yeah? Now, yes, God can multiply stuff, but you take one bottle and you try and put it into 100 people, are you going to have much overflow? And most people are spending the whole service just trying to guzzle up a little bit. Of, maybe they get three quarters full. By that time, the pastor's given out the whole service. <laughs> and so now his is empty. He's now going to go and pray and get in the presence of God. You don't realize that when you're ministering like this, you're giving out spiritually. You know what there is? In that, when, in that kind of situation, when everybody arrives dry because they've got no walk with God themselves, there's no overflow. Because all of the available water is going into filling all the empty bottles. Now, what happens if you all arrive at church and your bottle's already full? Because you've walked with God for the week. So, 
You'll come in. You've got a full bottle. Here's the pastor. His bottle's full. Here's the, the, praise, uh, the praise and worship team. Their bottle's full. And so as they start in worship, they, they start pouring out what they, I don't want to pour, but you know, just imagine the lids off. They start pouring out. But your bottles are all full. So where's the water going to go? It's going to go into overflow. It's going to start trickling out into the aisle. It's going to start trickling out the door. Start running down the streets. That's what they had in the book of Acts. Entire streets were shaken. Entire cities were shaken. Because people were full. I hope that illustration just opened your eyes a little bit. It's one of the reasons many churches are not seeing much manifestation of the Spirit because everybody's so dry spiritually. And depending upon a few people in the church to ump them up, you know what God is, God is saying? It's time for the body to start walking with Him and staying, staying strong spiritually, getting in the Word, praying in tongues on a daily basis, getting yourself filled, getting yourself strong. So we arrive in church already filled and we can go into overflow in the body of Christ then you'll have some manifestations of God. Amen? All right, I'm not going to go any further because I have talked a little bit longer than, than I probably would have done. But let's, uh, let's just close in prayer. Hallelujah. Father, we just want to worship you. Hallelujah. Father God, we, we honor you in this place. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, Lord God. Father God, I just pray that the word of God that's been taught. I pray, Father God, that you will take these words that I've, I've spoken tonight and, and, and just really stir people's hearts and stir people about their own individual spiritual lives. It's time to trim the lamp. It's time to get that lamp sharpened up and ready. But that's on you, it's not on him. So this is part of getting yourself ready. This is part of building the ark, getting yourself in position, ready for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, ready for the things that are coming up and that we're right on the verge of. Amen? Hallelujah. So, Father, we give you the glory. We thank you, Lord, that as we begin to get ourselves ready, as we begin to respond, hear what you're saying and begin to respond to what you're doing. I thank you, Father God. We're going to see growth and increase and even it comes to the place of overflow in our churches of the move and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We give you the glory for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you all. Bless you all. Um, so um, just we have, we have booked about six months worth of dates and stuff. So we do have all the dates. We do these meetings once a month, if this is your first time. Uh, like I said at the start, it's good. Uh, decent number of people here, but there's, there's, there's a whole crowd of them that normally come that are at a dinner tonight. Um, but you're welcome to invite people because these meetings, we open them up. They're open to anybody. It's open to different churches. They're open to people from different environments. But we want to start drawing people together into an, envi an environment where we're just focused on the word and the flow on the move of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Without having to focus on other church business. Because church, church services, they've got to do the children's church. They've got to do 100. I mean, children's church is good. A lot of other business and stuff. But here we just want to get in the presence of God, draw the body of Christ together for the whole city, for the whole of Coventry, and, and just hear what God has to say. Amen. So we, we will send the dates out. I, I don't even have the next one in front of me. I think it's the 23rd of April, isn't it? It's the 23rd because of Easter. Normally, most of them that we've booked on are the third Saturday of each month except for April, because the third Saturday in April is Easter, so we've put it on the next one. But after that, these meetings are the third Saturday of each month, 7 p.m. in here. Amen?
Bless you all. Thank you. I'm going to stop that quickly. Hold on.